Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by AMS Media. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and this episode is sponsored by tvsportsblog.com as you can see rolling across the bottom of your screens if you're listening to us via the audio please head over to tvsportsblog.com some excellent content covering a wide variety of sports and a big hello to john and the rest of the team over there right before we begin uh, this week's edition of the social club where we'll be looking into the impact that COVID-19 has had on football. We'll be talking about various other bits and pieces, maybe a bit of football manager in there as well, uh, seeing as I managed to persuade one of my guests this evening uh, to jump on it, and it's probably going to ruin his marriage like it's probably going to ruin mine. Uh, So we'll be discussing all of that and more. But first, it would be wrong of me not to start the show by paying tribute to an Arsenal legend, uh, Rocky Rowcastle, who sadly lost his life 19 years ago today. Now, Rocky Rowcastle um, was before my time, if I'm being honest, um, but just from talking to people that have supported the club for a long, long time and from people that have been involved in the game, the likes of Kevin Campbell and various others who have been on the show, who have played alongside him, they always speak incredibly highly uh, of the man. And, and you know, there's some famous quotes uh, that are attributed to him. And, you know, he's just a legend as an Arsenal fan. Rocky Rocastle is a legend. Everybody knows it. And I think it, it's not just us Arsenal fans that appreciate him. I think if you speak to anyone who's been involved in football, particularly during that era, they all speak extremely highly of the man. And so uh, just like to pay tribute to the legend that is Rocky Rocastle. On a lighter note, I'm going to introduce this week's panel. First of all, uh, Mr. Dan DeLuca. Welcome back to the show, mate. How are you? Yeah, very bored and pissed off like everyone else. But thanks for having me. It's it's the the first thing I've done for three weeks, apart from (laughs) my wife. So, good stuff. You're welcome anytime, my friend. And also joining me is Mr. Simon Alavi. Welcome back. How are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? Just bored as well, yeah. You look like you've been busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you've got a lot of work in front of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, thinking of like learning violin or something. There you go. And <laughs> this week's special guest is an award-winning radio broadcaster. He does podcasts, he does commentary, and you probably heard his voice on BBC Radio 5 Live. He's also a fantastic friend. It's the brilliant Mr. Aaron Paul. Welcome to the show. Making your Aaron. debut. How are you? Yeah, mate. Bored. But, you know, still it's still, uh, still quacking on, pal. But, uh, yeah, thanks for having me, pal. No problem. You're welcome anytime. Right, we're going to start off by talking about uh, the effect that COVID-19 is having on football. Of course, it was announced a little while ago that football would be suspended until at the earliest, the 30th of April. It doesn't look like it's going to be back on in May. Um, judging by the way things are going, uh, the government have uh, put some serious lockdown measures in place since uh, that announcement was made. So we're expecting another one in the not so distant future, probably prolonging that suspension. Um, first of all, Aaron, how are you coping without football? <laughs> well, there's only so much gardening you can do, pal. Uh, let's be fair. Um, it's, it's tough. It's really <laughs> tough. It is my life, football. It's it's what has sort of generated my income for the past, you know, sort of six, seven years now. Um, I never thought I'd be at this point or that it ever shut down. I mean, you know, as freelancers, you're always educated and, and taught, you know, to have like a bit of a, a financial cushion if you lose a job. This is more than just losing the job because you don't actually know when you're going to be working next. Um but I'm thankful. I'm doing a lot of pods coming on here, 
Um, it's just weird because it's not just football I've lost. You know, I, I do tennis. I do also other bits and pieces. So, you know, if you look at the knock-on effect I've had with work, going from the Premier League to the AFL, finishing the season, doing Queen's Club, Wimbledon, the Euros, and then eventually heading to, to Tokyo for the Olympics, all gone down the pan, pal. So now I'm just waiting for it all to come back. And, um, yeah, I think the words that I was once taught by someone were feast or famine. That's that's how you could describe this industry. Absolutely. Um, Dan, we're all going through the same thing. As Aaron mentioned, this having an economic impact on lots of people as well. How are you coping with that, the game? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, luckily I'm not as... Um, not not as not as good as you as you guys in terms of putting my opinions um, out to the wider public. So financially, obviously, I'm not impacted. It's just um, you know, for for us all, it's a hobby, isn't it? It's it's a release after a long a long a long week of work, and you know, we invest a lot of times into our clubs, into the season, and to get six or seven months in and and have it just stop suddenly, it's obviously it's frustrating for everyone. And you know, uh, saying to I was saying to you guys earlier that. It was only a couple of weeks ago I was saying I just can't wait for this season to end because it's been so it's been so terrible. Um, and actually now it's ended, you you kind of realise you'd rather support a, a shit team and um the, the the no team at all. So it's really frustrating. Well, you, you you do support a shit team though, don't you? I do this season, that's for sure. Um, there so we go. Just my wishes. Glad have, we got out. My there. wishes have been granted. Also, Dan, Dan, you talk about financial impacts. I think like a divorce generally does have a financial impact as well. So just because it's not your work doesn't mean you know yeah but, uh, but think of the freedom you, know, you, can't, you can't buy a price on it. I think I, I think like I said you could you could split it into to people whose enjoyment has gone you know not just football other sports and then it's people you know uh, like yourselves who rely on sources of football for a living and, and sometimes it's almost too much we, you know I, I used to say we had I couldn't, there was games every single day it was too much to catch up on and then you look at the other side of the the scale, and you look at you know a team that I decided to get over for more than a decade. Now it's Barnet who have placed all their um, uh, playing staff on notice and in emergency measures to, to preserve the club. Um, Chairman Tony Cleanthos did that, and, and that includes you know that includes the manager. And um, you know these aren't the millionaires of a Premier League who earn an average of what three three and a half million a year. These are. <sighs> These are guys, and and in in that league, you know, there's there's players who are say pro. So it's just frightening. Really, we won't ever see anything like this again. And um, not just in football, but economically, I don't think we ever will. Uh, Aaron, question for you, my friend: Do you think that the Premier League big hitters? So I'm talking about the likes of Arsenal, the Chelsea's, the Manchester United's, the Manchester City's. I'm not going to say Spurs because they've already put their their staff on uh, the government scheme, but do these clubs and these entities, because that's what they are nowadays, do they have a responsibility to try and preserve the game in the sense of looking after those clubs who are not as financially powerful and helping to preserve the lower leagues? Is it a responsibility? And in your opinion, should they be doing that? I think Daniel Levy today, uh, doing what he's done, has proven that it's not his club's responsibility. It's not his responsibility to do this because... You know, he's he's out there trying to make sure Tottenham Hotspurs uh, preserved as a club. Um, whether he needed to do what he did or not, no one really knows, let's be fair. Um, 
but my money was always on him to be the first out of the Premier League clubs to do so. In terms of the clubs itself and, and, and you know, what we see from the EFL, especially especially the low reaches, your League Twos, your League Ones and some championship clubs, um, let's make no mistake, a lot of them are going to be struggling right now. A lot of clubs are going to be struggling. Again, these are players that don't, you know, they're not they're not playing to fund their lavish lifestyles. They're they're playing to, to fund mortgages and to fund rents and to their kids to school and and and, 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 and you know sort of, you know the school, the nursery, whatever it is. I think what we're going to look at is, is that is the relationship of the EFL and the Premier League, and and go back to ninety one, go back to nineteen ninety when this all stemmed, uh, where it all stemmed from, and and, and just say. Is that relationship between the EFL and the Premier League healed for the Premier League now to say, you know what, now it's our turn to look after you? Because effectively, the Premier League took 22 clubs out of the EFL and go, you know what, we're going to create something better. We're pumped and fueled by Sky TV. Let's do it. Let's go and do it. Now, it's not the responsibility of Arsenal or Chelsea or Manchester United or Manchester City. It's up to the Premier League now to make a decision to say, you know what, we've got XYZ money in the bank. Let's divvy it up and sort of do it pro rata as, as you know, between the divisions. Let's see what we can do. However, however, I might be looking at a Rochdale or an Oldham or a Macclesfield or a Stevenage or someone like that and think to myself, you know what? Yeah, they deserve that money. They deserve the money. But what about a Derby County? So a club that has spent and spent and spent and spent some more to try and get their, their, their themselves into the Premier League, to try and crowbar their way into the Premier League and it's now failed. What about Birmingham City, who since, what, 2010, 2011, have had financial regularities that, you know, would make Jordan Belfort look straight, basically. You know, what about other clubs like Nottingham Forest who have spent money upon money upon money? Do we need to help them as well? Because you can't help one and not help the other. How does it work? I think the Premier League has some form of duty of care towards the EFL. I think it should be looking after it. And I don't think it should be up to the Premier League to decide that. It should be up to the FA because the FA governs the Premier League. Dan, you, you, your take on the matter? Yeah, so it's about a couple of points. Um, the first one, just, just a picky little thing. The first club to do it was Newcastle. Um, Daniel Levy was a close second, but... Um, Pretty, pretty poor on his part. And I think apologies, apologies. Look, let's be fair. Right. Ashley and Levy, they're cut from the same cloth, aren't they? But hold on, hold on. At Newcastle are not one of the big six. And that is why I, I picked on, on Tottenham. Because oh, if you want to be one of the big six, then, you know. I'd love to be in the big six at the minute. Big eight. They, the Newcastle um, believe they're one of the big six. Let's be fair. They, their fans believe they are. I'm not yeah. any, I don't think anyone should take credit from being compared to the guy who wanted to leave Sports Direct open. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. Just just a little point. Um, I think it's pretty poor what Tottenham have done, if I'm honest. Um, because let, let's get real. Spurs can afford to pay can, can afford to pay that salary at least for at least for a month, maybe two. And I think the government have got bigger things to worry about than you know than paying playing staff, non-playing staff of Premier League clubs. So. I don't agree with the stance at all. I think the Premier League clubs should be able to stand on their own two feet. Um, especially when you think, you know, we're talking about lower league clubs and the financial position they're in. It was only 1992-93, Spurs were nearly bankrupt. It was only two years ago, Aston Villa were nearly bankrupt and, and they were worried if they were, you know, they didn't win the playoff final, what was going to happen to them? 
<clears throat> and, and all that sort of stuff. So that's disappointing. I think my take on it is whether clubs believe they have a responsibility for clubs lower down the pyramid, I think they do have a responsibility of, of, of footballers, of grassroots footballers and players, talented young teenagers who are playing football, who, who have the ability to play professional football. And the less clubs you have, the less opportunities there are for those kids to to play football, to start coming up through the ranks. I mean, there's only so many, there's only so many players one club can develop. And and that's actually what the role of the lower clubs is now in modern football. Um, so I think to just be completely insular and cut off everyone else and, and look after yourselves, I, I don't I don't agree with it at all. Obviously I take the point on board that you have to look after everyone, you have to do things equally. But actually that's where things get difficult and that's why the Premier League are going to struggle when they come around to looking at whether they start the season again, how they do it, whether the season gets abandoned altogether, because, you know, you can't give one team a league title or relegate one team and not relegate another and all that sort of stuff. So trying to do things the same way causes problems. But the Premier League clubs are rich enough. There is a degree of television money available. And I think the Premier League should be withholding that television money. They should be giving some of it back to the FA um, and the FA should be deciding how, how better to distribute it. Cool. Alavi, you obviously yeah, followed Barnet Football Club for a long, long time. Um, as someone whose club are in a precarious situation now, do you agree with what the gents have said or do you think that that, some of the, that you need the help and it should be coming and it should be done for everybody? Uh, what's, your, what's your view? I think there should be some help. I just don't, I don't see how it can pragmatically be distributed from the top clubs. There's no fair way of doing it. I, I'm pretty sure... Um, to, to Aaron's point right at the start that there was a, a separation some time ago and law-wise I don't even think a director can subsidise any other any other club anyway so I don't know how they would equitably distribute it across the the clubs in say League 1 League 2 don't get me wrong like, it just it does seem immoral that someone in League 2 is earning like three grand a week and isn't going to be helped by Deli Ali or whichever what, other player. What, what, but what's what, the? What do you mean? What do you mean by a director isn't allowed to? So, I'm pretty sure there's something in place which means a director of a club is not able to subsidise an 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 EFL club. I.e., there has the only way to do it would be for some sort of major wholesale. I don't know program FA corporation type agreement that, where they that all go. Exactly why, but that's exactly why I said that this should come from the Premier League itself yeah. or from the yeah. FA and should sort of concertina its way down I think. But I don't so yeah and that's why I said you know to your point I don't see I, I get that but I just don't see how they would do that in a fair way. And I was reading an article today by the Brighton chief uh I think his name is Paul Barber and he was saying that well we're not all big clubs in the Premier League. We've got a lot that's dependent on us. We've got a lot of charities that dependent on us. We've got dinner ladies as well. We've got the people that do the the washing. We've got all these people. So every penny out of our club, don't forget, is affecting us somewhere down the line. Is affecting a, a Brighton-based charity. Do you know what I mean? So just because you take from somewhere and give it to somewhere else, uh, but, what but is trade unions for? That's what I mean. This is where forget, trade unions need to be coming in football. Sorry, go on, mate. Don't forget that whereas a, you know, let, let's, let's, let's go from the point that 
right now, Premier League clubs, they can sustain themselves. Even, no matter how far down the leagues that the, the, the Premier League are, they can sustain themselves. But for an EFL club in League One, League Two, the gate receipts mean so much to them. I get that, but where do you draw the line? It's proven, proven though, it's proven though by the Premier League. For example, Bournemouth, and I always refer to Bournemouth, when Bournemouth turned around and were approached about their stadium and asked, are you going to be building a 30,000, 40,000 capacity seat stadium? They said no, because at the end of the day, gate receipts mean nothing to Premier League clubs anymore. But I think everyone's in agreement that it's not a fair system. What, what we can't decide is how, I just don't see how it can be done. How far down the leagues do you go? Who gets what? Who gives what? Where does it What about this is a suggestion? What about this is a suggestion? The Premier League and the, the FA, the authorities, the FA, I would say, they should have an oversight of everything. They should go to all the clubs and they should say to them, right, for you to keep these members of staff on, uh, you know, and, and maintain what you're doing and, and uphold all your commitments for the next three months, what do you need? And that to be presented and that to be looked at. And then they can get an idea of what kind of bailout package, if you like, they're going to need to have. And if there are clubs that they don't need to give it to, and I know people are going to moan and say, oh, but it's not well, fair. This club 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 and say, I don't need it. No, 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 but, this is, but that's, that's for the FA to decide because we're talking about something that's never going to happen again. We're talking about something that is completely unprecedented. We're not talking about, you know, this football hasn't stopped like this since the war. This is not something that happens all the time. You know, these are extreme circumstances. And for the, if it was me, if I was in charge of the FA, I'd ask everyone to produce what it is they need exactly. Give me your books. Let me see what we can do. And then I'll try and work a bailout package. But how long does that take, Based on that. How long it does that take? Time. Firstly, the, the, time, the, time, the time it takes will take a while. Secondly, you're not just dealing with the FA. I think we've got time. <laughs> oh, you never know. You, de- you, you never know. But you're dealing with the Premier League and the EFL. You're dealing with two different entities, you know. And it's a case of how many clubs will actually play ball with disclosing their, their financial statements? Let's be fair. Come on. There are so many clubs out there that will turn around and go, actually, yeah, we, we don't want the FA running the ball over our books. We'll stay out of it. Fold, bang, done. You know, because there are so many discrepancies when it comes to EFL clubs. Premier League clubs may be delighted to show their books and go, yeah, we're getting X, Y, Z from various sponsors, making this money, that money. But let me tell you something. I think it was Bristol Rovers the other day who recorded a £26 million debt. £26 million of Bristol Rovers. That's a lot of money for that club. A lot of money for that club. There's, you know, there's clubs where there's turmoil at ballroom level. Look at Derby County. You know, they sold their ground for £80 million last year, apparently. Now they need a £30 million bailout. So if they need a £30 million bailout straight away, what are we going to give Rochdale? 10 pence? 30 pence? What are we going to give them? £30 million, pound, that could be the whole you know, pot blown straight away. Yeah, I agree. It's a complicated situation. Of course it is. And there's lots of nuances to it. And there's going to be lots of arguments about it. I just think that I think that the, the FA have a responsibility more than the, the big clubs do. I think it's in their jurisdiction to do something about this. And I think that if clubs can, can survive the way they are, if they can put their staff on you know, the job retention scheme that's been set up by the government and that will get them by then fine. Um, let's do that. But I just think 
if I'm looking at this from a, a non-football perspective, if I'm a normal citizen who doesn't have any interest in football and I'm sitting there thinking, well, why is a multi-billion pound organisation like Tottenham Hotspur putting 550 employees on the job retention scheme. We've got people that are working for companies that simply can't afford to keep them on. And that money is being taken up by large corporations with the funds to sustain themselves. So that's why I think this whole thing, it's got to be dealt with in an insular way. So football has to deal with football for me (coughs) and it can't be mixed with other industries. Uh, Dan, do you you agree with me or? Yeah, I, I, I do. I think there's two separate things, isn't there? There's the money that we're taking from, we're taking from the government, essentially. We're taking money from the government to pay staff, um, and then we're talking, on the other hand, like lesser league clubs taking money from the Premier League. So the Premier League might look at it and say, "Well, we can't get money from the government, and we have to give money away." But actually, when, when we think about it, like you say, it should be insular. It's a football issue. The Premier League clubs benefit from these lower league clubs existing. They might not realise it, but they do. Essentially, they have their pick of players developed for them. They can pluck for like minimal fees. They can loan players out that they can't be bothered with to get developed elsewhere. So there is a there has to be a duty of care from the football governing bodies. And actually, <clears throat> where it comes from, it would be a nice thing to do if Tottenham, for example, um, did something for Leighton Orient, who's their local club, you know, um, Manchester yeah, or, United. it's a bit difficult, Manchester, United, yeah, yeah. Manchester City, you've got six or seven clubs around them, um, you know, and it's, it's all well and good in times like these people saying it's not my responsibility, but then, you know, you've got clubs like Manchester City who have never actually do a day's work in their life, let's face it, and it was only 15 years ago, they were, you know, they were down in League Two, so <clears throat> there has, they should be doing something, and if it's the FA and the Premier League who have to facilitate it, then fine, But for the Premier League to say something as simple as there's going to be a reduction in prize money this year um, to accommodate for the for the conditions and all that sort of stuff, they can make that back next year by selling an extra ten games to Amazon. You know, it's not it's not difficult for the Premier League to generate this money back. And I think someone should stop hiding behind the fact that these clubs are commercial businesses and just do something sensible. It shouldn't be that difficult. It shouldn't be that difficult. Making it fair is a challenge. And I guess the problem you've got is a bit like Tottenham have. You'll get clubs who abuse the system and they could present books that say, well, we need this much and another team doesn't need that much. But there's nothing, you know, how how many teams are we talking about here? We're talking about 72 clubs, potentially. You know, to give 72 clubs... 71. Yeah, barrier gone. So... (laughs) <laughs> to give seven to give seventy one clubs, you know, a, a million pounds each, it's not I think bad. they're buried, aren't they? You know, very, very bad. Um <laughs> someone needs someone needs to step up. Wait for it, wait for it, wait for it, wait <laughs> the Lucas, sorry, wait for it. <laughs> Can't teach jokes like that. Carry on. Someone, someone needs to step up. Someone needs to step up and do something. And I think what, what Tottenham have done today hasn't helped at all. Um, not one little bit. And obviously Newcastle and whichever other clubs are gonna follow. I don't know who the match day staff, who the non-playing staff are. Is it the guys who would have been working at the stadium pouring beer? In which case, it's not that bad. But nonetheless, it's um, it doesn't help the topic we're discussing when we're talking about giving clubs away and actually we've got Premier League clubs claiming stuff. 
Yeah, ag- agreed. Uh, Aaron, there's a comment in the uh, chat box. A big hello to uh, all the guys that are joining us in there at the moment. And of course, to Dave Atkinson, um, who says, I do not want to be nasty, but does this show that we have got too many professional football clubs um, and there are so many clubs that run out of money within one month? Football is run so badly. So I guess the point Dave's trying to make is, are we, is this a, should this be a, a prompt, I guess, to investigate the way some of these clubs are being run further? Because at the moment, like you said, there are clubs with discrepancies. There are clubs that have just not run very well. And now it feels like everybody else is going to have to foot the bill for those because of what's going on. It's been happening for a long time, Harry. It's been happening for a very long time. You know, I look back at the 80s when there was a case of two brothers um, from Saudi Arabia who bought Wolves and nearly liquidated the club. You look back to, you know, some of the stories of the 90s and, and clubs that nearly went out of business. You know, Chelsea in the early 2000s. Forget that Wimbledon, mate. You know, the fact that you can let a club die as the FA did. Go to Chelsea in the early 2000s when Ken Bates was allowed to saddle so much debt onto a club, um, you know, to, to try and build around a stadium. Peter Ridsdale at Leeds United. How that man is involved in football, I still do not know. Um, you know, because he gambled with the club effectively. He basically went to a casino and put all his money on red and hoped for it. And he nearly, you know, imploded a massive, massive football club. Is football run badly? Yes, very, very, very badly. Um, you know, you you look so far down the pyramid and, and every day clubs are hemorrhaging money, man, hemorrhaging money left, right and centre. And, and it's a worrying time. I mean, we talked about Aston Villa earlier. One of the chaps mentioned Aston Villa nearly going out of business. Imagine that as an institution. Aston Villa as a football club. Um, you know, relying on one game, basically, again, gambling, needing one game to ensure that they continue to exist. Look at Barton Wanderers. I mean, let's be fair, you know, once upon a time, 15 years ago, we were sat here praising Big Sam's Galacticos. He had Hierro, he had Ivan uh, Ivan Campo, uh, JJ Kocha, Nicholas Anelka, et cetera, et cetera. And we all sat there going, you know what, Barton Wanderers, what a wonderfully run club. They've got Eddie Davis, who sits in the Bahamas, lifelong Barton fan, he loves them. They've got, you know, Phil Gartside running the show. But you know what? One day, Eddie Davis woke up and goes, hey, you know that £186 million I gave you? Yeah, I want it all back. I want it all back. How many clubs are in danger right now of that, of an owner turning around and going, all this money I gave you, yeah, yeah, I want it back. I want it back straight away. That's the problem we have. That's why I think the methods that uh, Germany uses in terms of the 50 plus one, fabulous, absolutely fabulous. I love fan-owned football. I absolutely think it's brilliant. Um, let's be fair, there are only a handful of clubs in the championship that can be that can operate on a on a financially level footing because they can pull in the necessary commercial deals to do so. I look at Fulham. I look at Fulham, for example. You know, they they were run on, uh, by Al Fire. People criticised Al Fire for a long time because he didn't spend money. You know, he took the money from the Louis Saar sales, Steve Mabron, Legwinski, Van der Saar. And, and, you know, he did things cautiously. He didn't give the, the bosses a lot of money to spend. If one spent 20 million, the other one would only get two or three million. But he ran it well. He sold the club to Khan, Shahid Khan, who, lovely man. I've met him many a time. Lovely man. But has come in has probably outlaid close to about £300 million in this club. He doesn't care. He's worth £7 billion. 
doesn't doesn't bother him one bit. He's it's a toy for him, isn't it? It's a toy. But it's, it's not just like the thing is. It's not just the money thing, is it? Like, I know that's uh, that's a primary thing, but secondary things like people's emotions, right? Like. I know we fi- we might find it really funny if the season is void and Liverpool don't win the title, but deep deep down, oh, actually, I feel sorry for them. I really do. Yeah. And it's the same back. with Leicester, and it's the same with various teams. Um, there's a colleague of mine who's a big league lead supporter, and he was, you know, you look at their situation, right? How many leagues have they been out? The um, uh, how many? Sorry, how many years have they been out the league? You know, what they played thirty-seven games, nine to go, five of them at Edinburgh Road. They've got a seven-point gap. You know, and Ian was telling me today, someone like Bielsa, you know, you know, the strike for Phillips who might get in England, all these players, well, they're, they're yeah, not going to stick around if the season's void and they're in the championship. Like, imagine the hopes that a Leeds fan or a Liverpool fan have built up for all these years. It goes beyond money, doesn't it? It's like, it's, it's just unprecedented. It's you're so oh, close. Like, think, Spurs well, we could have got relegated and now they're going to probably stay in the league. It's stuff like that that you just, you don't know what's going to happen. If we go back to back to the gentleman's point, what what was the gentleman's name? Derek. Derek. The guy commented in the comments. Dave, oh, Dave, 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 Dave. Big Sorry, Dave. Dave. Sorry, Dave. Um, you go back to his point. Um, I I think he makes some good points, right? He makes, he makes, it's a good challenge, but I disagree. You know, and I'll, I'll say it's a fair point. What Dave's saying. Yeah, it's a fair. I disagree though, and I'll, I'll explain why I disagree. This. Is all these clubs are now a victim of circumstance that the Premier League's brought along. So this is this has got worse and worse for these clubs, and they've been cast further and further away over over a series of years. But in this country, we've got about a hundred professional clubs. There are there are professional clubs now in 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 the in the conference or wherever it's called this week. You know, you've got clubs like clubs like Wrexham down there. You've got You've got clubs like Macclesfield, who are professional clubs. You've had big names down there recently, like like Luton. They've just come back. Um, Tranmere, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's about 100 clubs. So if we're saying on one hand football's got too many clubs, actually to reduce that amount of clubs, you're going to be putting these clubs out of business anyway because the minute they're not professional clubs anymore, they, they, don't, exist in, they don't exist in the same way. They're part time. They can't afford to pay the staff. They can't afford to pay the players. So, so eventually, so essentially, is the solution to the problem is the same thing we're trying to avoid. On one hand, <clears throat> and actually, if we look at why we're in this position, there's stuff that people need to decide whether they want to address it. Sadly, I know what the answer is going to be, but we need to look at things like the loan market. We need to look at why these clubs are struggling to begin with. If you look at a lot of the clubs that have struggled financially, big clubs over the years, you know, like we picked on Bolton, but you can look at, you know, the, the two Sheffield clubs, Nottingham, um, clubs like Bury who are now gone, Oldham, who were in the Premier League at the beginning, they've, they've disappeared and never returned. Um, <clears throat> they're all in and around Manchester. And actually what has happened over the years is people have started to support big clubs away from their, their local small that is the clubs that rely on gate receipts aren't getting those gates filled they're not selling shirts because you get people walking around Coventry wearing a Manchester United shirt yet Coventry have to play their football matches at Birmingham Um, so all these sort of things are what have led us to this position so even though on one hand we're saying the Premier League shouldn't be responsible the Premier League are are culprits and the key bit to my point is in the 92 teams that we've got over half of those teams have been in the Premier League at some point 
I think there's been about 48 or 49 clubs have played in the Premier League, different clubs. So at some point, they've been in the Premier League. They've had to increase their books in order to stay in the Premier League because they've got no choice. And then when they're relegated, they start to suffer and now they can't compete. And you're an Arsenal fan, presumably. I'm a Tottenham fan. We're the loudest when it comes to rapping our chairman on the knuckles and saying, why haven't you bought this player? Why haven't you spent this in the window? And actually, that's what Leeds did. And lower down the pyramid, that's what these clubs are having to do just to try and get promoted so that they can then afford to account for the fact that they're not getting the revenue they need and they can try and attract fans. Do you think Bournemouth were getting 12,000 in, in five years ago in the division they were in? They weren't. Um, you know, now they're in a fortunate position. But this is all a product of 25 plus years worth of circumstances. I, I, I think Bournemouth as, a, Bournemouth as an example of one of those clubs. I think me and you discussed it, Harry. Bournemouth are one of them clubs who, who will sit and they'll they'll sort of protest innocence and say, we came up the football leagues, you know, organically, we did it well, but let's not, you know, let's not kid ourselves. In the championship, Eddie Howe had a massive budget. They were backed by a, a very serious Russian owner. In terms of other clubs you mentioned, Coventry City, Leeds, the Sheffield clubs, etc. Let, let's let's make no mistake, they fell foul of ITV Digital, excuse me, in the early 2000s. And then poor ownership as well. You know, Wednesday, very poor ownership. And let's be fair, Chan Series come in, he spent a whole bunch of money. But again, ultimately, he's another owner with big dreams, deep pockets, and then he just gets on he gets disinterested when he doesn't get sort of instant gratification. Fawaz at Nottingham Forest, a Kuwaiti owner, plenty of money came in. His legacy, two big screens, two big screens at the City Ground. That's it. He spent money on players and players and players. Well, this, that, the other, and 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 nothing. Coventry City. I mean, the the, the shambles that club has turned into after they left Highfield, Highfield Road, purely because someone saw an opportunity to make a bit of money. And I think what we're seeing is clubs, especially the top end of League One, going into into the Championship. These owners think to themselves, if we can get ourselves into a de- on a decent run, the Championship is unpredictable we're going to get the riches of the Premier League. We can grab that money. You look at Hull City, when they first came up into the Premier League under Phil Brown, they got relegated and nearly went bust purely because their owners thought this. They thought, we can go there, we can you know, extract our investment and we can do well. People talk about Vincent Tan all the time. They, they criticise Vincent Tan. You know what? Vincent Tan is a businessman. He's so shrewd. It's yeah. unreal. He took Cardiff up. They spent money. They were relegated on a combination of Mackay and Solskjaer. They had a shambles of a season. What did he do? He got rid of Solskjaer, brought in Russell Slade, trimmed the wage bill down, brought in Neil Warnock. He's got Neil Warnock in and said, you know what? Do your best. See what you can do. Took them up. Warnock freely admitted we haven't got a budget. You know, granted they were going to spend £20 million on Emiliano Salo and God rest his soul. That was just tragedy, pure tragedy. But what Vincent Tan has done is every single penny he lost in that initial season he's managed to recoup. You counter that to QPR, now who are paying possibly, I think, one of the biggest football fines ever seen due to their FFP misdemeanors. You know, they went up, spent a bunch of money, got relegated, came back, spent a bunch of money. It's just so crazy how these people think, you know, the Premier League has become such a goldmine to clubs that, you know, the, the, the obsession is just to get there. And once you're there, it's a case of fight and keep in there. The, yeah, the biggest it's, it's, irony of all the maths, though, sorry, really quickly, and 
I know they wouldn't take this more high grand, right? But every player in the Premier League is a millionaire, right? They can all afford to live on off, say, the 60 or 100,000 they earn a, earn a week. The average salary I said before, I think, is about three, three and a half million in the Premier League player. 47 clubs in League One and League Two, right? Something like that. They put forward an estimated 50 million loss of a campaign if it can't restart. So the irony is that can so easily be covered by something which just isn't allowed. Because if, if you, you were in a company and they said to you, donate X amount of your wage and everyone whose grades below you will stay, would you do it? Yeah, but this is different because when you, it's, you can sit there and say that, yeah, they all earn X amount of money and they're all millionaires and they are, of course they are. But you live within your means, don't you? So no, no, that's you what I'm saying. Be, I'm saying, yeah, yeah, you're right, Harry. I'm you, not you saying might, it's right. I'm just saying it's the biggest yeah. irony that it could just be sorted like that, but it wouldn't be. Yeah, it could be. It could be, but there's too many rules and regulations and God knows what else to get around if in order for something like that to happen. And this is the problem. But then if you don't have those rules and regulations, you end up with stupid scenarios where you get owners owning multiple clubs that are going to have he's going to have conflicts of interest and. You know, we see owners having multiple clubs, but not in the same countries, not in the same leagues, et cetera, et cetera. You know, Manchester City have done something very smart, haven't they, with their city group? And they've got a club in Spain, a club in Australia, a club in the States. Um, but Harry, and- City can afford to do that. City can afford to run something like that. Dubai, the, you know, the Dubai and the Abu Dhabi United group, they're minted. They're not, you know, they're, they're not paupers. Yeah, you look at someone like Roland de Chatelet at, at Charlton Athletic. He owned a bunch of clubs. None of them were rich. Um, the the guys who own Leicester City, they own a club in Belgium. You know, the, the, this whole sort of trend of network clubs is is becoming fashionable. The Pozzos at Watford, I think, that, you know, they're quite a successful model in terms of how they've operated. They, they used to shift players between Udinese, Granada and Watford all the time. But let's make no mistake, the Abu Dhabi group, they're not an example people should look at. They're the ones who own the XL Centre in London where this hospital is being built at the moment. And I wonder what sort of rent they're charging on it. You know, they, they, they own all sorts of power. It's, they're, they're, they're really not somewhat a, a, a viable example. You've got to look at... No, I'm not, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying they're an example of how everyone should be run. What I'm saying is we, there are rules and regulations in place, but there are ways around them. That was the point I was trying to make. When you've got a group like the, the Abu Dhabi group that own Manchester City, they will find a way by setting up this company and that company and shell companies and God knows what else to do what they want to do anyway. And it's just, you know, if you've got the right money and you've got the right lawyers, you can pretty much do anything that you want. But in this situation here, we're talking about something that there is no precedent for. There is no previous, there is no example that people should be following. And that's why I feel like the Premier League and the FA and the powers that be in football at the moment, whatever they do, they're going to receive some criticism because there'll always be somebody who disagrees with one side and agrees with the other. And it's a really, really tough balance to find. Do you, though, do you risk losing English football as we know it? You know, you could potentially lose even a, a quarter of the clubs in the lower leagues. And then what happens to the football, uh, the football pyramid, it all changes. So there's so much to take into co- uh, consideration here. And it just depends on how much the FA and, and the powers that be value their football pyramid here in the UK. And it is one that is, I would say better than in other countries and one that is well-respected around the world. But do you now 
go to that extra cost to preserve that? Or do you just say those who don't run their clubs properly um, are just going to have to suffer the consequences? I don't know. How yeah, to complete the season, it depends if you can complete the season to a degree as well, right? Yeah, that's exactly. A, that, that's a major, major variable in all of this. And imagine growing up supporting a club for years and years and years and following them <coughs> home and away. And then just because one bad owner comes in, your team could potentially disappear into nothing. I mean, Tell it to Tell yeah, it exa- to exactly. But, you know, I can't even imagine how bad that must feel as a fan. Mm. So, you know, there's those guys you've got to take into consideration as well. So it's, it's such a difficult... Mate, do you know what the amazing thing is? The amazing thing is, is that in, in the sort of background for the past year now, Wimbledon fans have been crowdfunding for their, for their new ground. Um, they've raised a crazy amount of money. I'm talking close to about 16 or 17 million pounds purely through crowdfunding, through bonds, through, you know, their own sort of um, share issue. Um, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. This is a club that has seen so many hard times. It's unreal. Um, but I feel bad for the fans now because effectively, you know, we've come into this situation now where their ground might not even get built because, the, you know, the workers have down tools. Everyone's, everyone's down tools on site. But, you know, it, it's, just, it's just crazy how sort of things work. Football finances are, are, are an incredible, um, it's, an, it's an incredible minefield, really. It is extremely complex. So just before we wrap up, guys, I'm going to ask you one final question each. I'm going to start with you, Dan. Um, you're, the, you're the man. You're the guy with all the power, with the crystal ball, with the, whatever you want to call it. I'm coming to you now and I'm asking you, do you play out the rest of this season at the risk of not knowing when it's going to be safe to do so? Um, and the impact it's going to have on next season and the season after that and the knock-on <laughs> domino effect that this will have? Or do you say now we've got to avoid this season and we start fresh next season? You're the man with the power. It's your decision. What would you do? Okay, you saying going to be a quick answer. I'll be as quick as I can. I am going to... Never is, mate. <laughs> Jesus. I'm going to be in the minority here, okay? I avoid I, I the season. What? I avoid I the season um, for a multitude of reasons. There's probably... Five teams. See, Nimsy got. He knows what he's talking about, that guy there. So you avoid the season. Um, and it's really unfortunate. But hear me out now, right? If Liverpool, if it wasn't Liverpool who were top of the league by so far, would people be as passionate about this? I don't think they would be by a long shot. And now before Scousers start getting angry, I'm not just picking on Liverpool. So if it was, if it was... If it was Tottenham, who haven't won the league for 60 years, if it was a fairy tale situation like a Leicester were top of the league, because it's Liverpool that haven't won it for 30 years, they're that far clear. If it was a neck-and-neck title race, would people be as bothered? Probably not. If in Manchester City were 25 points clear and they'd won it for the last two seasons, would people be as bothered? Probably not. And to prove my point is correct, everyone has mentioned Leeds because of the size of the club and the time they've been away. No one has mentioned West Brom, who are above Leeds in the table, because no one cares about the position the teams are in. No one I don't cares. think they are above them anymore. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure Leeds are top again. Oh, well, well, yeah. it's the same principle. But it's you know, close enough, isn't it? They're the two that are going to go up. There's three, two yeah. sides. No one's mentioned West yeah. Brom. So the fact of the matter is we can be sensible about this, okay? Everyone knows Liverpool won the league. So if we finish the season behind closed doors, we play an extra two games and Liverpool win their league in front in front of no fans or whatever happens. Do you know what? Has the moment not gone anyway? 
those fans have lost that moment. That's never record still back. book. The record still books still says they win the league. Yeah, but that's fine. So we can do that anyway. There's no reason why we can't say we well, you know what Liverpool. Liverpool have won the league. We all know that. We can concede the title to Liverpool. There you go. It goes in the record books. Does anyone? They haven't really mathematically won it. They haven't mathematically won it. I know, but I mean, we could be sensible about it. But you know, if, we, if Liverpool's what the issue is, if Liverpool's what the issue is, there's nothing, nothing that stops us saying, well. So, so you know, try telling the bottom three clubs in the Premier League. And this is where it gets. Yeah, yeah what we're going to do? Right? Have a 22, 22 why, team right, season. And this is next why week. you have to avoid the season. No. You can't. You have right. to avoid the season. You can't play it behind closed doors because if you play it behind closed doors, the issues we were just talking about, which is clubs losing out on revenue and then bankrupt, that's gone. So it's pointless. You're playing it behind closed doors for, for what? who benefits from that? The only team who benefits from it is like is Liverpool. That, so... Do, do, part- the behind closed doors option will only work if there is a, a, an intervention from TVI, Sky with the EFL, yeah, exactly. the, yeah. the Premier League, and then there is a divvying up of... of, of exactly. Of, you still pay him anyway. Because we can still watch the games behind closed doors. There's still cameras out. Exactly. The season has to be played out. Yeah. I, I, I'm with it. Like, I'll go on before um, you know, Dan saves um, Spurs from relegation. I think that you just... <laughs> you've got to play the end of the season. The, the two caveats before were the Olympics and the Euros, right? Because those players could be involved. They're not anymore. That's been pushed back. So just start just start the season when you need to play it. Play three games a week. Do whatever you need to do. Those players have been rested. Like play as safely as possible. Get to the end of the season. See start the season late, whatever you need to do, and lose a cup next year or lose <coughs> lose lose both lose like the FA Cup and the um, Carling Cup next yeah, year or something. You know what you're gonna do? Just just complete the season. Somehow complete the season. Shrink, I don't care how it's done. Complete the season. So, you know, sort of completing the season, let's be fair, we could probably exactly. get this season done inside six weeks. Six to seven yeah, weeks, exactly. the season could be done. If they can say, fine, we pick up the season again in August, do it. But then lose these unnecessary international friendly breaks. Get yeah, fine. Them. Yeah, fine. Stop. You just had a smart comment come across. Wednesday. I don't know who it, wrote, who it is, some, some, but someone smart watching has written, there you go. That's, that's it. Done. And he's called me. If you want, want to, I never want thought to I'd see the season. I just, I'm not. I'm not in a rush to give Liverpool the title. I don't. I don't care about Liverpool. I'm just saying that the reason why everyone is more passionate than this, it, the season would have been voided already, in my view, if it wasn't Liverpool were top of the league by that far. Okay, I'm going to go to Camelot tomorrow and say I haven't technically won the lottery, but I've played it enough times. So any chance I can have my money? <laughs> if you went. If, 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 if you went into a betting shop Jesus. and you lost your betting slip... I, I can't now, can I? That's the issue. <laughs> you still bet online. <laughs> There's Belarusian football. You have a bet on that. Um, or FIFA. There's FIFA tournaments. It's just the, the point is, it's the fact Liverpool are so far clear and, and, and the emotion about it. And actually, none of us support Liverpool. If giving them the league this season stops them getting refereeing decisions for another year until they win it, because you know it's not going to stop until they have it. Just give them the little, the little, the little shiny thing and be done oh, with it. Whatever. You cannot give something to someone who hasn't won it. Right. So, <laughs> Alavi, so Alavi, right, I'm done. I've made my point. Alavi's made it. Uh, Alavi, I've got your point. You yeah. would play out the rest of the season, Aaron. I'm assuming you agree that the season I'm, needs I'm to be played out with him. The, He's me, with Alavi. 
brilliant stuff right guys that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the social club my thanks to dan alavi and of course aaron paul for joining us our special guest this week we'll be back very very soon with more don't forget that this show is sponsored by tv sports blog check it out for uh, some brilliant content covering a whole variety of sports and uh, we'll be back very very soon with more so until then take care ciao 